This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My All Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyAllManSaid.com and your host. Joining me to discuss more points on the board from Emery. Hurrah. Mr. Chris Budd, Mr. Phil Shaw. Hello. Welcome. Hello. How you doing? <laughs> Fantastic. I've, I've made a realisation uh, about Mr. Emery. Ooh. All this, oh, he's, he's a cup manager, he's a cup manager. Nah, we've we've got the new Emery, the, the one who's good in the league, but crap in the cup. We've got the 38-game version, long form. Don't be fooled by these Europa League wins. We're, we're not going to win any cups under this guy, but we may prosper in the league. And we will be discussing uh, the latest progress in the Premier League with a, a very entertaining game, I thought, at uh, Villa Park, uh, the 2-1 win against Leeds. We're going to uh, have a bit of a rejig of the order of the show, so we'll uh, we'll get through the Villa news first, then we'll go straight into the game before having the three points and medium muppets before uh, ending up with uh, Emery's clipboard. How are you, chaps? Anyway, what have you been up to? I'm very well. Yeah, very well. Easing myself into the year. All the better for a Villa win after the nonsense of Stevenage on Sunday. Yeah, I'm still angry about Stevenage. That yeah, hasn't gone away. We need to be in the top half before uh, we start thinking about forgiveness for that. Sure, still alive over there? Yes, still alive. Although, this, like I said, the Stevenage defeat there, that was another scar on the, the already scarred body. All the Villa <laughs> scars on me. <laughs> you haven't got a Stanley knife where you put notches in after every defeat, have you? <laughs> no, not, not Dark, yet. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be nothing left of me, would there? <laughs> right, uh, let's uh, get this show on the road with some news. We can talk about Prince Harry apparently losing his virginity in a field in an inglorious episode with an older woman, or uh, the Villa news. Well, um... <laughs> well, <laughs> Ooh, you're tempting do I want to hear here. about ginger bollocks in a field? No, I'll pass. <laughs> I mean, I've ignored all this I don't care. BS 
This it's quite funny. It's, like a, it's a witch hunt to the poor chap. You know, these people are. If you thought Villa fans were mad on social media, <laughs> nothing compared to royalists. It's insane. It really is. It makes the mind boggle. It's, it's, it's almost like a press cover up for all the shit that's happening in the world. Let's distract them with this uh, Harry nonsense. Anyway, Prince Harry's <laughs> been outvoted. We will not be promoting his book. Uh, we will be going straight into the Villa news. Right, what do you want first? Uh, there's been a transfer. Got to see him ahead of schedule. Uh, Alex Moreno from Real Betis. You could say he was. He helped uh, the engineer, old Pellegrini, improving Betis's def- uh, well, Betis's standing in uh, La Liga. I mean, when mm. uh, Moreno signed in his first season, they finished fifteenth, uh, I think, and then once he settled down, they finished sixth, and then fifth after that, and then when he left, they were fourth. So hopefully, will improve Villa as well. What's Spanish for continual progress? I don't know, <laughs> but it, maybe he's the key to it that unlocks unlocks the door to continual progress. Injury news, all the other left backs, <laughs> of which there are many. <laughs> I mean, I've, re- I've lost count, but it's a brutal, obviously a left back at Villa Park anyway. You always play 45 minutes directly in front of the away fans. So, you know, the away fans kind of bring in like those pea shooters with poison darts or something. <laughs> there's, a, there's something going on. It's, there's more than a coincidence. But well, Daniel went down, didn't he? Like a ton of bricks. Smart timing by uh, Villa to sign a left-back just for this game against Leeds. Yeah. Because he's going to get injured uh, against Southampton, probably. (laughs) Hmm. Or other injuries, McGinn still out. There's no real uh, timeline on that one, is there? No. McGinn said on Sky that he was going to be a couple of weeks more at least anyway, so it's not looking quick. Right. Also, Cash still out. Uh, Maybe this injury contagion of uh, left-backs is going to now be right-backs as well. Watkins also limped off against Leeds, so uh, we await the news on that. And uh, Diego Carlos, as we've spoken before, uh, looking likely to return on in February. Yeah, probably towards the end of the month, I'd imagine. Meanwhile, Aston Villa, the Daily Telegraph kind of broke the story of uh, a gambling sponsor that uh, heralds from Singapore, or, or Asian uh, setup. But the UK operation runs out the Alaman, so you know, you know how these things work. It's all tax avoidance, uh, etc. They are a lightly shirt sponsor. Norwich signed them, and then after a few days of fans being infuriated by this, dropped them because they discovered very sexualized uh, advertising involving girls in skimpy dresses doing things to villa dogs. Uh, amongst other things, Villa decided. Well, uh, despite that, they they took them on now. Whatever you think about gambling, there's two things here. The club continuously in these fan consultation group meetings, I said, I mean, early doors when personally walked through the door with the new owners, they said, you know, they want to avoid betting companies. They don't want to do uh, gambling sponsors on the shirts. But uh, the first, when we got promoted, because we went up through the playoffs and our season was shortened, that was the only sponsor they could get because gambling companies are cash rich and short notice they could drop it. So, you know, the excuse was, well, you know, we had to take the money in this situation. But obviously, with one year, two years to negotiate, build up relationships, you know, we, we will be able to have sponsors more fitting of such a prestigious club as Aston Villa. And also, meanwhile, the government will bring in out a white paper to outlaw gambling on sh- shirts. Now, this has been 
delayed constantly because you know the government keeps changing the prime minister so they can't actually bring in bring in any kind of fresh legislation and also the premier league are desperately trying to stall this because obviously gambling companies are a major income uh, to them and you know morally they don't give a shit so they'll posture about inclusion and uh, equality and all that kind of stuff but the bottom line is money so it looks like the club are, you know, being opportunistic here and trying to get a gambling sponsor in before the government actually gets its act together. Now, I don't know what happened to all these years of planning, and because it strikes me they're just taking the lowest hanging fruits. I mean, gambling companies do pay above average, but you can't tell fan consultations and take this big moral high ground about this prestigious great Aston Villa club of traditions. You can't say that and then just dive in to a company that another club have turned down because they just they thought it was they'd be morally bankrupt to take it. So this is the problem. This isn't being woke and anti-betting or whatever. Me personally, if you want to bet your life away and end up on skid row, by all means, go for it. You know, it's all about uh, choices. But there's a lot of people out there who want to protect younger fans. They also want younger fans to have shirts that look exactly like uh, the players on the pitch. You know, they're, they're heroes. And, you know, that's a valid point as well. But also, just trashy names, two-bit fucking companies. It's it's just desperate, and it's not saying a good standard. You're not setting yourself up to be any uh, great bastion of the league. Well, Perslow's used the, you know, the, sh- the shirt spawn things. I remember him saying in the most recent AGM, talking about it's prime real estate. Really? Really? Hmm. Come off it. And uh, also, uh, as a fan... You are paying when you buy a replica shirt to be a walking billboard for that sponsor. So they're going to have thousands of Villa fans all working for that gambling company, essentially. So that's another thing. But, you know, fans never think about this. Those shirts should be free, really, because you're walking around as a billboard for that sponsor. So they should be giving you those shirts for free. But this is the way this is the way the world is constructed. So uh, there's going to be a meeting between the fan consultation group and the club in about uh, just over a week's time. So hopefully we'll have more clarification because the club haven't admitted to uh, anything at the moment. And obviously, uh, you know, they're having this meeting because they've seen the, the reaction uh, to their proposed uh, sponsorship deal. Moving on, a few transfer rumours bubbling away. Matteo Guendouzi from Dabby Dozy. Well, if he plays shit, he'll be just called Doozy, won't he? Guendouzi, who you may remember was a, a teenager at Arsenal, under Emery, actually. Played 66 times under Emery. So there's the connection. He's 23 now, so has many, many miles uh, in the bank. And Emery did drop a little subtle hint that he was... He mentioned players that he knew, didn't he? Mm. Yeah. So if this is one of them, or this is the one that he was referring to, it's it's just really all about money, isn't it? Uh, with yeah, Marseille looking, they say, well, we, you paid uh, paid this for Sanson, so uh, you're going to have to pay this. So they're looking for like thirty million, aren't they? I'll just give them Sanson back as part of yes, it. Yes, they can have the original Sanson. Go. <laughs> Another stumbling point, and this is the problem with the Louise uh, situation, is Arsenal have a sell-on clause believed to be 15%. I think this is what Manchester City had, and that's why Villa kept trying to push up the price when Arsenal came knocking, because obviously Louise did one out. And uh, I think they were trying to get that extra 
two or three million just to cover off uh, Manchester City's sell-on clause. So we'll see how that uh, happens. Anything else, Mr. Shaw? Well, there's one that's a bit more tenuous. Um, Arnott Danjuma, ex of Bournemouth and currently of Villarreal, Emery's old club, of course. Yeah, again. Has, has, yes, has reportedly flown into England to seal a loan move to an unnamed club. Of course, Villa are going to be linked in this. Yeah, I think Everton have been, West Ham have been. So uh, we'll see see what happens uh, finally in the Villa news. Uh, the Villa ladies beat Spurs. You look at the Villa ladies team now, after the two signings of Lucy Stanningforth and Jordan Nobbs, uh, it, looks a, it looks pretty formidable now, the Villa women's team, and they beat Spurs 2-1. Spurs on a bit of a bad run at the moment. Uh, Villa now won 5, lost 5. At the time we record this podcast, they are currently 6th, level on points uh, with West Ham. Really, that is the uh, the battle, really, is is 5th place to be the best of the rest, so to speak, mm-hmm. outside of the four top top clubs who are kind of on a different level at the moment before we go on if you are annoyed by having to listen to ads on the podcast there is a simple solution by becoming a my or man said member and supporting us direct for around a price of a pint every month, you will have access to completely ad free versions of every episode. On top of that, you get extra shows as well. Connected to uh, this episode, there will be an after-hours show where we discuss uh, Alex Moreno and Emery's first six games in charge and how that looks like changing the narrative of Villa's season. We'll also have a mad few Q&A in the next week or so as well. I want to give a special shout-out to... Uh, the new Myomansen members of the last few days, Alex Ranson, and also a big thanks to Alexi Marcris for uh, upping their annual pledge. If you become uh, an annual member, you will receive 10% off, which is just over a month free. So if you want to get rid of ads and also get extra shows and i almost forgot join our match club online community we will be meeting up for the southampton game which is uh, it's essentially a live podcast where everybody gets involved throughout the match so that will be saturday this week for the saints game so please do go to myomansaid.com to click on the membership link there to get more details and to sign up or alternately visit in the bio of most of our social media is a link tree where you will also get access to the patreon where you can sign up as well thank you very much right let's get into this game let's get stuck in like both teams did Pretty much an unchanged team uh, from Villa. Yes, bar obviously Matty Cash, who'd started in the Wolves and game. And Ramsey. Yeah, well, Ramsey, yeah, essentially Ramsey was in for Cash. So Ramsey in for Cash. I think Leon Bailey might have been dropped in an ideal world, but I think lack of alternatives mm. meant he, he starts. He's very much a, a confidence player. Yes, big really? team. Villa had, no, Villa had zero corners. Is that true? Yeah, it's a mad stat. Yeah. And what a start. And I think it's a good job they got that start, or else this game might have turned a bit ugly. I think the, the start was important to score that early goal, just because of what we'd seen against Wolves and uh, Stevenage. So uh, it was a reset button for the crowd. 
Yeah, big time. It got it got the crowd involved, didn't it, straight away? Yeah, and uh, what a counter attack! It was uh, quintessential. Incredible wasn't goal. It? it was. I mean, if there's a there's a couple of elements you need to look at in that counter attack. First of all, the ball got thrown into the box by Leeds, and it's it's almost like it hits Mings in the face and breaks to Ashley Young to clear. Now, plenty of other players would just hoof that ball up the pitch, but he he hits a cross field to Kamara, who takes it down a bit. Reminded me a bit the way Michael Owen took the ball down against Argentina, and then he took it down just with his heel, and then just he was away, and then after that. I mean, Kamara showed the composure. We're talking about Ashley Young picking a pass that most people would have just cleared it. But then you see Kamara and he's got Lucas Dean to his left. And that looks like the obvious ball for most players. But he takes it on a little bit further, doesn't he? Then you would expect. He chops, yeah, he chops back on the on the Leeds player, doesn't he? Think, oh, fuck, the chance could go here. And he gets it out to Bailey, yeah. who, to be fair, hasn't been doing it as much, but gets it out of his feet quickly and releases the shot so fast it flies past the keeper. It's a brilliant goal from front to back. Great finish. And it almost set the tone for Kamara because that what you just mentioned there where he cuts back, he's got this confidence to do that. It's almost like, I think somebody on, uh, I think it was social media said, it's as if he's got eyes in the back of his head and the side of his head because he seems to have this awareness of where everybody is in terms of going around. There's, there's a great one where he's got the ball in his own box. I think it's the right-hand side of Villa's 18-yard box and there's a lead player charging at him and he just waits until he comes and then he just kind of sidesteps him and he lets the player fly past. He has players falling over trying to get to him and the thing I like about him is if he's got three opposition players around him, he doesn't, he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't break a sweat. It's, uh, he just deals with them. It was a performance on a different level. We used to watch in bang average players in this league getting paid horrendous money, like ridiculous yeah. money. And then you see him and you go, well, actually, if everybody was on his level, A, football would be insane. It would be like a great level. And then you could say to people, well, they get paid that much money because they're professional sportsmen. And you go, oh, yeah, well, I suppose there is a different level. He's one of the rare players that you see that actually you think, yeah, he's a professional football player. He's on another level and that's why he gets the big bucks. And finally, the number six who, how long have we been asking for a player like that? Like back to the days of the championship? That first half, regardless of Kamara's efforts, we could have been a couple of goals down despite taking the lead going into half time. I mean, leads to we the were credit. Did, weren't we? did play very well. And we'd really struggled uh, not playing it out the back per se, but actually trying to get that kind of transition going and, and getting the ball to stick. Never mind the top half, but even in, you know, around the midfield. You know, that was my criticism of our two deep sitters. Both of them are quite calm, cruisy, and controlled. And sometimes you want a bit of diamondism in there to complement, you know, the other person's calmness. But the the encouraging thing about Kamara was the way he bust his gut on the goal to actually, so he's got it in his locker. He's not just like cruising around, uh, which is kind of typical of a lot of the French deep sitting midfielders that we've had, like from uh Yeah, Vera Two and etc. Burson. But he's I mean he's a different class to them. I think if if he's encouraged to get forward a bit out of those two deep sitters, or they you know they take it in turns, then that could help us get a bit more traction uh further up the pitch so we're not in under the cosh. But then again Leeds also press hard, don't they? They yeah. were very, very aggressive, weren't they? It was, it was a weird one because, you know, he scored in the sort of the third minute, but then you went off in the tenth, and because he was down for a good five minutes, all of the the atmosphere died down. I think it was 
great for Leeds. It just dampened Villa's momentum because I, I would have fancied Villa if they'd have got on top in that first 10-15 minutes to probably get a second goal. It allowed them to reset and then they were basically playing like a four-man press at, at the backs. So they were really pushing on Villa's two centre-backs and especially on the full-back positions to really try and get the ball, which you were looking for Villa to try and play through the press or find a way to get around it. We weren't hitting Watkins down the flanks too much. Of course, he went off injured on sort of the half an hour mark anyway. So you lost one of your more mobile outlets. As much as I like Kings, it was a, it was always going to be a really difficult outing for him to for the ball to stick. Yeah, but I think it was one of those games where you know you, you had to go toe to toe with Leeds. It kind of felt a bit like an away performance or like a derby match where the game's going to be like a very sort of you know sort of beach ball-y. And you've just kind of got to dig in and go, actually, we're going to have to just battle here. And it was, you know, there's a shitload of tackles flying around, real high energy match, probably great for the, the viewers at home. I think Villa, in a word, probably resilient is the uh, big time where they the just had to word. dig in with you know, them. Because Leeds had probably three massive chances, didn't they, in the first half and should have buried one of them and didn't. You know, they, they found Villa's, you know, Moreno in inspired form, the, the two centre backs, Young, all had, they all had big blocks. And then Martinez made an absolute, truly world class save. Well, let's let's go back to Moreno because obviously he's coming on after nine minutes. wasn't expecting to come on, but not only that, Leeds are pressing as they are. He's having to start in front of the Leeds away fans. So you know, I, I would say Leeds away fans are it's probably the up there now. in terms of the Premier League's uh, away fan offering. And initially, and I'll pass this one to you, Phil. But in in the where I was sitting behind, I think the first thing he did, he kind of fluffed his lines a little bit. And somebody goes, oh, shit, <laughs> behind me. <laughs> and then the next thing he did, somebody said, ah, oh, bring back Lucas Dina. Uh, then once he eased himself in the game, and obviously there was the highlight clearance off the line, but what, what was your uh, thoughts on him, Phil? I would sort of like preface this with like Antonio Lunat, the good old Tony Moon, had a brilliant first game against Arsenal away. But um, <laughs> Good God, so, the gosh, angel yes, of death has swooped yes, down again. I know, but no, Moreno... Um, <laughs> Like you said, there, his first couple of touches were. I mean, it's against Leeds. Leeds are Leeds were Adam and like twos and threes, so he didn't really have much chance to do anything else. I mean, he, all I can say is he didn't. Any time he gave the ball away, it was in an area that you know it wasn't going to do too much damage. It was like a, a place where I wouldn't say it's acceptable to give the ball away, but it was close to the halfway line or it was near the touchline, and it just went out. You know, there was no stupid passing across his box or nothing like that to try and you know fit in with the team. But when he got up to speed, when he got up to Leeds' speed and got a bit more space and Leeds sort of like spread their attack maybe over to Young's side, then you saw when he had, when it wasn't, the focus wasn't all on him. He, he looked very tidy indeed. Had a couple of chances. He became the out ball. And unlike Dinya, he's got that, I, we'd mentioned it in something for the weekend, having looked at you know a couple of videos and some scam reports and stuff. He drives you forward. He gets his head down and he gets you up the pitch. It's more like a, I, I compared him to like Robertson at Liverpool. He gets involved, you know, he'll, there was one in the second half when Bink Bailey was out on the right, pulled it inside, and you could see him absolutely fly through past, I think it would have been Ramsey who, who sort of played him in. He probably should have hit the target, but he had a couple yeah. of chances. He had a great little burst a little bit earlier in the game as well. There was a couple of touches in the first half where you thought, oh, hello, because he looks like he wants to get involved. You, you can tell he's going to really be all about like little one-twos off. Buendia or the forward where he will run beyond the midfield there's evidence to suggest he wants to get involved because he had the most touches despite yeah playing 10 minutes less than everybody else yeah no I thought he, I thought he had um, a very very promising debut against you know, as we said you know, it's a really difficult outing to come into the game like that where Leeds play up in warp speed at times and pile a lot of men around the ball you know they play like kids in a playground where you have fours and fives yeah. going after the ball yeah and that's where I think if Villa 
and Emery had had that sort of the passing model that he wants to bring to the team um, a little bit more refined, I think you find a way to play through the press. A bit like we did in the game, well, certainly in the first half of this game last year, when we just pulled them apart, didn't we? Where Leeds were naive, they chased the game really early, they were so open. And we just pulled them apart. They did that for about 15 minutes, second half, but it didn't. Leeds really put their foot on the gas. They played very well, to be fair. At half time, though, it was one of these where you're kind of blowing your cheeks out, going, woof, you know, we could yeah. how, how, how are we 1 0 up at half time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all down to Martinez, isn't it? And actually, and, and the, just the defensive line in general. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought, I thought Mings that- and Konza stuck to their task, a really difficult task, but where a lot of. You know, last-ditch blocks. Young had an excellent game against the, the kid on the wing. The kid on the wing, Nonso, for them was pacey. To be fair, you know, he had a. It was a really interesting battle that one with the kind of you know, the, the the really young lad against the wily old fox, and and Young did well. And it was really I mean, interesting. They, they only the, scored when he when Young kind of slipped on his ass, didn't he? Well, and and he and Sanson had an easy tackle and stopped. He was just he was just powder puff defending from Sanson. He ran, he ran past the ball. That was the moment where you understood why Samson hasn't quite made it at Villa. Because yeah. if you, if you uh, cast your minds back to when we signed him, I mean, and, and you know, this is Jack Grealish talking when they were in an interview and talking about, you know, I think it was around that, my club, my city. Because you're thinking if Grealish is going to stay, we need to bring in some players. And Grealish in this interview said, you know, we've just brought in Samson. He's been brought into add some bite to the midfield and that's exactly what we needed doesn't have like a number eight a number eight who's got a bit of bite who can win you the ball and also you know get a bit of a control a grip on the midfield and if that was their expectations because obviously the management have told Grealish this because he's parroting you know what they've the reason why they brought Sanson because Grealish isn't going to know Sanson and it would have been the manager telling him he was there for bite so if that was the uh the kind of raison d'etre on Sanson you saw it in that one moment where mm. Nonto just brushed him aside. It was it was yeah. almost embarrassing. Sanson should have been shepherded him out and that was it. You know, end of yeah. story. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It was it was interesting through the whole game though where you know Leeds traditionally are a nasty bunch of fuckers. Everyone knows that. They love to leave their foot in really sly type of team. Very kind of cowardly attitude. They were, you know, they were fine if they want to stick their foot in. Fine. As soon as Villa started mixing it with them, they were whinging the whole way through the game. Jesse Marsh on the touchline, just losing his marbles. It was, I mean, it's great to watch from a Villa point of view. I mean, to be fair to Michael Oliver, I thought he had a really good game because he let the game flow. It was very physical at times. There were a couple of real, like, almost pylons, weren't there, on the touchline by the dugouts on a couple of occasions. But there was the best one that got. It was almost treated like a goal right towards the end of the game. You know, the young lad out wide tried to get after Young. He's given him a little a little glimmer of the ball and Young has absolutely snapped him in half. And he put him in the Doug Ellis stand. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that yeah, was great, like yeah. a goal. And I love tackles like that, where you just put them in their place. Proper, like, reducer. There were there were moments that were as, as important as goals, like the Moreno clearance off the line. Yeah, Martinez, at least huge. one save, potentially two. I think One in the second uh, half is a great save as well, isn't it? Ming's got a, a necessary block in as well. Mm-hmm. But... The thing about Leeds, everybody gives them hard times, but I think as a Leeds fan, you can't be disappointed in that team because uh, you know, as a Villa fan, I, I enjoy watching Villa-Leeds games. Blood and thunder, isn't it? Over they're the last good. few seasons, they're, they're good. And while I'm glad we played Derby in that uh, championship playoff final, Leeds would have been perfect. We're the favourites now. We were expecting Leeds in that final and that would have been a fandango at Wembley. Yeah. Mm. On and off the pitch. <laughs> oh, God. Can you imagine Wembley Way after the game? It'd have been absolute perfection, waving them off on their trains. You know, they bring a bit of what football should be about to the to the party, really. And that lifted the atmosphere, I think, as well, because the fans yeah, exactly. got into it then. When they knew it was a, a real firefight and Villa were, had moments where they were up against it, but then they also had moments where I think, you know, once we got the second goal, there was probably a 10, 15-minute period where, where Villa were really on top and you thought, we, can, we could, maybe should, undeservedly, I might add, go and get the third here and kill the game. You know, Moreno had a couple of chances. We had a couple of good breaks. The final ball wasn't quite there or the final pass shot, etc. But it made for a real back and forth game. And then when they got, you know, they, they pulled on back, it was like, ooh, bloody hell, here we go. Well, this game could have been 3-0 to Villa or just as easily 4-1 to Leeds. It's, uh, or another 3 yeah. all. It, it, it's just crazy. I mean, their last, I think it's their last three visits to Villa Park. Leeds have scored three goals. Yeah. Phil, I want you to explain something to me. Go for it. Corner count. Aston Villa, no corners whatsoever in the whole 90 minutes. Leeds, 11. What? what <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Their no, wingers were bombing No, it doesn't make off. any sense. But like, we, like we've said already, Leeds play this, this brand of football, which is, it's 100 miles an hour. It is everything everywhere all at once, isn't it? It's just, you need to sort of survive it. And then whenever it naturally falls down due to its own chaos. That's when you have to strike. So you're not going to be Villa and have the ball just outside the penalty area and be like trying to work out openings that generally lead to things like corners. You're, you're striking whenever there's nothing there. I mean, there's, there's one we haven't mentioned yet towards the end where their keeper came out and sort of kicked Coutinho in the head. He could easily have been sent off for that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which everybody seems to have forgotten about. But, you know, that that's the way Leeds play. I mean, Villa, the period that Chris is talking about after Villa went 2-0 up, Villa should have went 3, maybe 4-0 up then, and that would have been the game dead. That was just a little sort of like 
bit that let Leeds get back into it again because they're they're never going to stop running at you until you you properly kill them off. You you were at home, Phil, watching this uh, on the TV. I was in the toilet <laughs> in the Holt toilets when 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 Dia scored. <laughs> I didn't know that. I came out and uh, the, on the monitor it went to VAR. Was it obvious watching it from home that it was an onside goal, or or was yeah. there a bit of fifty fifty about it? It was one of those where you said. There's no way he should have put his flag up there. He should have waited to see what actually happened because it was one of those ones that you're watching and saying, "Oh, that's that's onside." I hope he's not off. Not not he's offside. I hope he's on. It was it was that mm. way. The only way I was thinking was maybe it depends where they draw the line at his arm because he did lean forward with the arm. But then what rules are they following this week? Is it the arm up to the sleeve yeah. or not? But yeah. his feet were well back. <laughs> I was actually having a, a was when the ball obviously went in the net, so you could hear the cheer and you're like, "Ah, oh, fuck, I've missed it." But then you you know you walk out in the concourse and you see the VAR thing go up and it's only 1-0 still so you think ah okay so you're kind of walking up the stairs but keeping an eye on the monitor and then they give the goal and then you can join in the celebrations so you haven't actually actually missed the experience of celebrating the goal so that was kind of funny yeah I don't think from what I can remember that's a bit of a first for me at Villa Park I don't remember Villa having a a goal where you didn't really celebrate that much when the ball hit the net then you have the weight and the longer it goes on you think they're going to give this. And then when he does, and then everyone goes mad. I mean, Buendia's reaction is hilarious, where he's the, kind of walking back to the centre circle. But they're all pretty, they're not quite sure. It gets given. And then he just the runs off, doesn't he? he goes mad. <laughs> yeah. The little squirrel man exploded, didn't he? Yeah, it's brilliant to watch him like with his double set. Because as soon as he scored, he ran straight over to the linesman. So he thought he was onside, to be fair. And then you see the see the replay when I, when I, when I got home. Because he waved his finger at him, didn't he, when he yep. after he scored it? And again, the you know the, the powers that be at Villa who look after the big screens decided it was a good idea after the goal was given to put the, the VAR lines on the screen again. You, you want to see that Martinez save again, and I think the clearance off the line by Moreno. But they they show the build up, and then they cut it off before it happens. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's Whoever's, strange that somebody's doing a shonky job because you want to see the highlights of a great save from Martinez or uh, you a know, few of them were the they line. were great saves. Yeah. And to be fair, I mean, in all fairness, when I saw his save back, the one in the first half, it's a really good advert for the game because actually it's great football all round. It's the the build-up play from Leeds, to be fair to them, is fantastic. The, the ailing ball, first time, is probably one that Lucas Dini will be watching going, oh, that's what I should have done against Wolves <laughs> rather than hacking it into the whole end. It's a great ball across and frankly, it does deserve a goal. But it's just a, it's a save. He's almost got no right to make. But it's a brilliant save. As a, as a fan, you've kind of given up on it in terms of oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, Leeds have scored here, the bastards. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's when you know it's a really good save from that emotional point of view where you you just like resigned yourself a split yeah. second ahead of time of what's going to about to happen. Yeah, just finally on on the game, Jesse Marsh getting a lot of stick off Leeds fans because he said it was his best his, his team's best performance since he's arrived. I mean, they've beaten Liverpool at Anfield and had in terms of results decent results I, I watched some of his interview and he said yeah, I don't mind losing more games like that as long as you know our performances are going in the right direction for the bigger picture I don't think you can say that you don't mind losing games <laughs> yeah let's not be if you're a Leeds fan you don't want to be a plucky relegated team who plays nice football do you yeah but at the same time, there is a bigger picture where you can see he's working. But uh, that's the thing in football is it's hard to... Uh, I mean, for example, look at Forest. It's like fair play at the start of this season where, you know, Forest were obviously struggling because they've just signed 20-odd players who haven't played together ever. And they're getting a pummel in. And most, you know, lazy pundits are saying Forest are down. So who's the other two this season that are going to go down? But you're looking at a manager who the season before, Forest were all over the place, hadn't 
was it like the first lost the first six or seven games or mm-hmm. like six out of seven or something like that and then Cooper comes in and they've just he certainly knows how to organize a team now he would have been sacked if you've got this normal gun-ho Premier League kind of attitude that some clubs yeah. have uh, you know like especially like teams like Watford and uh, the like yeah and then they've had, you know, they've had a good run they've found themselves in a cup semi-final etc now so they've this season is alive and kicking. Marsh, I think you. I think you stick with him this season. You've got to because you know we were sitting here saying, "Yeah, we won two one, and yes, we could have put them to the sword when we were two 0 up." But at the same time, we could have been you know three one down at half time. Yeah, it was like it was one of those sort of scrappy away wins, wasn't it? The way Villa played and was pretty clinical. To be fair, in front of goal, you know, you give Villa credit because they dug in. You know, win, you know wins obviously come in all shapes and forms. Essentially, it wasn't we wasn't fluid. We weren't all over them. But we got the job done, and that's that's what we needed to do in that particular game. Yep. I don't think you're ever going to dominate the ball against Leeds because they're going to get after you. Just, I would just say, but if that's Leeds's best game, do you think they're ever going to play better than that under Jesse Marsh again? I don't, I don't think they are. I think someone will get a hiding when it will click, and they'll finish their chances. Now they've got Bamford back, etc. But yeah, exactly. The veg injuries—that's the problem as well. You know, I, th- I think they'll have enough to. You know, you look you look at a lot of the teams down there and they've got they haven't you know, Everton, for example, Southampton, etc. They haven't got the energy about them that Leeds have. Leeds have got enough energy that when it comes to the business end of the season at Ellen Road when they need to get results, yeah. I'd be sort of I'm put it this way, I'm kinda of glad we've got rid of them for the season now. We don't have to play them again. Yeah. Yeah, I quite happily uh, have Leeds finish above West Ham. Southampton, Everton, uh, like that three mm-hmm. get, actually get Bournemouth as well, they can go in the bin as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bournemouth brings so they little gave them to the table. Three points at the start of the season. Now they can go back to the championship with a twelve, thirteen thousand stadium. Right, three points. What's been happening around the rest of the footballing world? Point number one: the usual stats have been released uh, regarding banning orders. We won't go into too much detail because I haven't studied the actual police reports. But three hundred and forty-three new banning orders were issued in the year twenty twenty-two. That's a two hundred and thirty percent rise. That is obviously going to be the headline. But we we've known there's been issues since the lockdown where uh, let's say younger fans have they've been missing a couple of years of behaviour in terms of learning the etiquette of how to. Uh, behave at football games and uh, I've got some funny examples things like travelling to uh, you know to away games and not realising that you need to book a return ticket home on the train if that's how you got there <laughs> and uh, just really dumb stuff really and uh, you know a lot of use of cocaine etc etc but anyway there's you know there's issues uh, around broadly I mean sometimes there's explanations behind uh, these rises that the headlines don't take into account for example you could have one game where it really kicks off and there's like 50 banning orders and that obviously affects the overall figures and it might be good everywhere else but uh, we'll do a deeper dive on that to see where Villa stand uh, in, in the context of that. Meanwhile, a bit of disorder, uh, point number two, Everton, where Everton directors for the first time ever were told in the history of the club were told the uh, the board of directors were told to uh, stay away from the game against Southampton because there was a real and uh, creditable threat to their safety. It's getting a bit toxic there. It takes me back to the old Tom Fox days where he was ordering personal bodyguards for uh, senior Villa staff when it was the Randy Lerner out brigade. But I don't think they were ever at uh, serious problems in that respect. I mean, there were some people that worked at the club, but nobody would know who they were if they were walking down the street. And 
you know, they were allegedly having personal bodyguards. It was a bit, shows you how much they don't really know football supporters uh, in that respect. I mean, Fox, fair enough, because he was being targeted. And uh, But anyway, we will see what happens uh, there. Meanwhile, this is one of Phil Shaw's points. MRI scans being used to detect overage players in the under-17 AFCON qualifiers. We've mentioned this before, haven't we? This in the AFCON where they're trying to smuggle players into different age groups. Yes, but uh, this is the the new president of um, Cameroon's football federation, which is called FECAFIT. It's uh, Samuel Eto. I think yeah. we mentioned him before how he was getting elected there, but he has brought in MRI testing for players to make sure they, they are the age they said they were. But you could say it's backfired in Cameroon because out of their initial 30-man squad, uh, 21 failed the tests. And then you had the, <laughs> <laughs> you had the Democratic Republic of Congo as well. They've actually you know pulled out of the tournament because 25 out of the 40 that they sent to the tournament were over age as well. I mean, the tournament itself, it's scheduled to run... So what they, these scans, like, so the players go in... They get scanned. MRI, what do you mean? Yes, it's an, it's an MRI scan to tell their, their actual age. And they're coming in most of the... They're, 42, they're not, 38, yes. <laughs> well, we remember 49. There was rumours about Obafemi Martins for years. <laughs> so they're queuing up people, big queue outside the uh, MRI scan machine. And they're going in one one at a time. And there's a big, what, there's like a uh, screen that their, their actual age comes up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm visualizing this. 23, 45. What I did read though as well, it's actually, despite this, you'd, you'd think that sort of like the Cameron people would be saying, oh no, you've, you've really sort of like handicapped us there by losing 25 or losing our 21 of our players there. But no, they're they're actually all behind Edo to say, finally, somebody's sort of like stopping this out because it's been an ongoing problem in AFCON yeah. qualifiers. Hilarious. I, I want to see. I want to see pictures of this uh, queue for the MRI machine. I wonder could actually Young beat the MRI machine? Would he come out at like twenty something instead of thirty? Oh yeah, actually Young. Yeah, real age twenty one. <laughs> right, uh, madness uh, in Africa. Is it as mad as what's been going on in Media Muppets? Right, Phil. What's in the trough? Well, being at the game, you and Chris would have missed this, but it's um, Gary Neville's strange obsession with the previously mentioned Leeds player Wilfred Nonto. I mean, it was noticed by Football 365's writer Will Ford. Sorry, who- sorry to interrupt. He would pass the MRI scan, wouldn't he? Because he's uh, mm. <laughs> teenager still, isn't he? Well, he's, he's meant to be a teenager. I don't know if, if there, there's been an MRI scan on him because he's, he's mature beyond his years. Um, so the, the headline from Football 365's Will Ford was Gary Neville drools over absolutely fantastic lead star Ashley Young bitted the hell out of. I mean, there's Ooh. a couple of problems there. He didn't. He only had him once. Ashley Young, it was, I wouldn't say bitted the hell out of. But on the Sky commentary, Neville came out with phrases like, Nonto looks absolutely fantastic. Watched them here live for the first time, knowing what a good left winger looks like. He knows the position, the movement to get on the ball, the body shape to receive the ball. It's fantastic. He's tenacious as well. I mean, he's talking about him as if this was Messi's famous performance at Stamford Bridge as a teenager against Chelsea in 2006 when he was 18. I mean, end of the day, Nonto was a threat and he got an assist. But the headline stat is he lost more duels than anyone else in the pitch, 14, and he was up against a 37-year-old fullback. I mean, at, at 19, he's, he's a long way to go before he's done enough to earn a weird love-in like that from Sky Sports. Or indeed a move away from Leeds. People do like to get excited with teenage players that show promise. I thought he was useful, but I thought... Lively. I think, you know, Young's got his number here, and 
if Sanson had a bit more muscle on him, he would have been able to deal with him. But yeah, I think he's uh, he's decent. He's entertaining at least. But uh, how dare they accuse our 21-year-old right back of uh, kicking the <laughs> hell out of him. Any media nuggets before we move on? Well, in a tenuous link to Villa again, we were linked with Joao Felix, the Portuguese player, which was never going to happen. I think Villa fans linked him uh, more more so than anybody serious because that was never going to happen. No, and you you'll see you'll see the reason why in this nugget why it was never going to happen. I mean, he gets sent off in his debut. This is the most expensive red card ever, so he's going to miss three games. But like the coin Christmas phrase for a bit of botanomics now, there was a nine million loan fee Chelsea paid plus two hundred and fifty thousand a week wages. The three games that he's going to miss because of that red card is going to cost Chelsea two point eight million pounds, and he'll not be back until the eleventh of February. I mean. It's the sort of thing that would have happened had he signed for Villa, so it would have been a bit typical Villa if, it, if he had been. But no, he, he, w- he wouldn't have had a red card. He would have got injured for the rest of the season. But you c- Villa couldn't have afforded those astronomical, like a nine million loan fee and two hundred and fifty thousand a week in wages just exactly. for exactly. That's why I didn't understand why people were having dumb conversations about it was a possibility he would sign. It's like, have they not done the maths? Have, have they not done the budonomics on the previous how much he's worth and you know what wages he was getting? Just never going to happen. And the fact that Chelsea are playing, paying over the odds on so much. I've never seen a team go this ballistic in January. Their new owner is a lunatic. Yeah. Right, uh, before we go, let's have a quick game of uh, Emery's Clipboard. If you are not familiar with Emery's Clipboard... It's essentially a more educational version of the uh, the Scott Hogan touch count because we draw from the wonderful world of football statistics. We're going to go for shot accuracy. Ooh. So Ooh. the name of the game is each team get three each team. We've got the Phil Shaw team and we've got the Chris Bud team. So we've got uh, Team Bud. If you are listening, decide which team you're going to join. <laughs> and uh, they will be your captains we should do this live somehow first round i tell you who the top team is in the table in this particular statistic then i tell you uh, the bottom team then each player will get a uh, guess and then it goes to the next round where each player can choose another team that's not villa and i will give them their shot accuracy and then based on there there's another guess and then we go to the final round where i may give them a further clue if i'm feeling generous and they haven't got it yet the percentages will be point one decimal point so bear that in mind if a player gets a direct hit they win and it's game over who won the last round phil won it we had a, we had a rare <laughs> a rare one so if you're listening uh, uh and you, you fancy the underdog uh, go for team team sure but he goes first or he gets a choice he can go first or second it's up to him Normally, when we do these uh, in 20th place, it's normally Bournemouth. But this, for shot accuracy percentage, it's West Ham are at the bottom with 28.2. Perhaps why they are floundering in the bottom three at the moment. Mm. Top, though, and this probably explains why these buggers are above Villa, Brentford, 43.9. So with that intel, uh, Phil Shaw, do you want to go first or second? I'll go first. I'll go 30.4. Can Canel, that's a bit shite. <laughs> well, continue. <laughs> that was they're, a not, they're, not counting, they're not counting FA Cup games, though. 
Chris Bird. I'm going to go 38.6. Right. Phil Shaw, who's your team? Who do you think has the same shooting issues as Aston Villa? I will go Chelsea. Chelsea are on 35.4. Okay, then I will go 35.2. 35.2. And by the way, if you're listening to this in the car or walking the dog, do play along. Chris Bird. I'm going to go with, uh, give me Fulham. Ooh. 36.2. I'm going to go 37.3. 37.3. Right, so what clue shall I give you? Right, here's a clue for you. Phyllis, shooting accuracy is better than Manchester City and Arsenal's. Well, that's always going to be the case, though, isn't it? And it is above 35 and under 40. Hmm, right. I'll f- that just helps Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'll finish yeah. with 30, <laughs> 37.1. I'll finish with. You've got it. You, you cheating. <laughs> no. Just He's going, got I'm it. Going, Out of jaws of defeat. Davis just gifted that on a plate, hasn't he? Bud was Phil there was with go 37.3. Like and I was like, do I give it to him now? We've got to go one decimal point. <laughs> so close. You just you just ran. I'm sending that. To, I'm sending uh, that to VAR, mate. I'm happy with <laughs> yeah. that. That's disgraceful, isn't it? That's well, like, like Marcus Rashford territory, man. Referee's given that one. You've just done leads. You've, 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 this is like doing a quiz at well. Old Trafford. You're just giving this. You played well. You did a, you did a Jesse Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> played well. Mate, but I'm going to be running. Str- I'm going to be running straight on the pitch and getting after the ref, man. I'm going to be getting if a touchline you, you keep, for this. You know, a few more losses like that, but in the long in the long term, you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, played well. So what's the shoranomics behind that? Because you were you were going nowhere. I mean, you were within that 35%. Shoranomics was, David. The quiz master gave him the answer pretty much. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> he said between 35 and 40. <sighs> now, the, the Shaw's second guess was 35.2, so he's already in the zone. Just. <laughs> so he should have, would have been going higher. He's but going to be sleepless nights here, David, I'm going to be honest. If we could just see a picture of Shaw's setup where he's got this extra big screen with the shot accuracy percentage for the Premier League <laughs> in big, bold letters. <laughs> this this is a game relies on a certain amount of trust of the two players. So let's hope Phil Shaw is a trustworthy soul. I'm sure he is. I've lost enough times. You, you know I'm trustworthy. I was hoping Phil will go Dan Rogers on me and just go like 0.1 above me as he normally does. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, he went 0.2 below you, and that was enough to uh, smash it. Shows the standard of this, though, doesn't it? Shows the standard of this game. It's elite. Before we go, please do follow the show on Apple or Spotify. Follow it on Twitter as well, at said. And if you want to deep dive a little bit more and join other listeners in discussion about Villa throughout the week, you can also join our uh, Mad Few Facebook group. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. And of course, for the best all-round experience, please do consider, if you're not already a member, becoming a member of My Omen Said. Right. What a switch in fortune and mood from Stevenage, where we thought, this is all a facade, isn't it? This is... This villa has not changed one one dot. But now we zoom out a little bit and we look at the 
the last six games or Emery's first six games and there's uh, a lot of encouragement there now we move on to two games against the bottom three and I'm not falling into this trap where you look ahead and you start oh we should get X amount of points from the next few games Uh, I think it's simply one game at a time and Southampton are very much a team that are threatening to turn their season around they're still in both cups which we can't really uh, say we haven't said that for a few years have we yeah so until we see what next week brings it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.